Welcome to the Pastor Nora King Podcast. We're confident that the message you're about to hear will enhance and empower your life in God. Now, here's Pastor Nora. Preach, heal, and cast out. Now, these truths, again, I want you to know, have literally shaped and molded my life. And Romans 12, 2 says, don't let the world squeeze you into its mold. The world has a way of thinking. The world has a way of doing. The world has a way of acting. And the, the world system is what I'm talking about. The people of the world, they're without God. And so what happens is they have this mold for us and they try to get us in to that mold and shape us and make us into their image. But God wants us to be shaped and molded into his image. And so he said, don't let the world around you squeeze you. See, that's what the world does. The world squeezes you. You start thinking the right way to live. You start thinking you know, of, of, of getting things out of your life that are sin and, and, and just things that are damaging your life. And what does the world... Well, that's ridiculous. Everybody believes this. Everybody lives this way. You're just living... You know, you're just antiquated. You're living in a time that doesn't exist anymore. You're still in the Donna Reed era, which was imaginary anyway. You know, leave it to beavers, mom, didn't exist. But yet those were better family times. You understand what I'm saying. But you see, the world tries to squeeze us when we start living and, and we start walking and we start developing in our Christian life. The world will squeeze in. But God said, don't you let the world squeeze you. You just jump out of that mold. And you know, I remember years ago that when I first started sharing God's Word, and I don't know that's, that people were trying to blatantly do this, but, but it was happening. And you know, Eddie and I, of course, started the church. We were in the ministry, and I started sharing the Word, and I started seeing and understanding, you know, some of the direction that God had for me as it related to being in the ministry and being a pastor. And, and you know, I had people that they had this certain mold of a pastor's wife. And this pastor's wife mold did not fit who I was. And see, I don't believe that people, if they, if they were a pastor's wife and they tried to shape and pattern after me, if that's not what God had for them, it wouldn't work either. You can't do something because somebody else did it. Now, we can learn from each other. And, and we can develop and grow and we can help. You know, I can help a young woman that feels they're called into ministry, but just because God does it with my life, it doesn't. We saw, Eddie and I saw people in the ministry, and we'd share our story about how God called us to come from California. We got a word of knowledge. God spoke to us in a word of wisdom, and he said, come back here. And when we came back, he told us, who was going to call us. He told us what we were to do, and it happened exactly that way with people that we really didn't have much of a connection with. And so when we came back, 
you know, I came back, you know, I was ready. I was going to go and apply to the job where I had left because I had a, a good reputation and a good work ethic with them, you know. I felt like they would hire me back, so I was already, when we came back to Knoxville, that was going to be my course. And when we came back, Eddie said, you know, we're just going to believe God. I don't, I don't want you to go back and you don't need to go to work. We're going to be in the ministry. And if God doesn't take care of us, then we just fail, I guess. Well, I'm a worker. I'm a doer. It's like, my goodness, I don't want to do that. You know, I don't want to do that. And anyway, what do you do all day in ministry? Don't ask me that now because it'd take two weeks to tell you. But you see, people heard us telling that about how we weren't we were going to start the church and we weren't going to work, and, and then people started doing that. You know, that's what I'm going to do too. Well, you know, if God told you that, go for it. But if you're doing it because he told us that, good luck. And I use that word advisedly, good luck, because you're going to need it. But... If God calls you and he gives you direction and guidance, then he'll provide. But you got to obey and you got to do it his way. But you see, that's another mold that you can't be squeezed into. Now, that doesn't mean that you're a rebel and you do everything your, your own way. I'm just going to tell you, I don't believe in that. You know, the Bible talks about the rebellious and stubbornness. It's an iniquity. That's what the Bible says. It's an abomination before God. So I'm not talking about those things. But I'm just saying, you know, you can't let the world squeeze you into its mold and try to make you over in the world's system image. That's not what God wants. He wants you made over in His image and shaped and patterned according to His Word and the work of the Holy Spirit in your life. Everyone is different. We're not all the same. Amen? So the Spirit works with the Word of God in our life so that we can become who God wants us to be. I want you to turn your Bibles to Luke 9. And I'm going to read from verse number 1 and 2. Now remember, we're talking about preach, heal, and cast out. Then he called his 12 disciples. Of course, we know that's talking about Jesus. He calls these 12 disciples together. Everybody say the word together. together. Now I'm going to camp out here for a minute. This is not really what I want you know, had in mind to emphasize, but I want you to notice that. And he called his 12 together. Coming together in the way that God calls you, it can be in a church, in the body life of a church. Coming together is so important. Is your personal prayer life important? Obviously so. But I'm going to tell you something that many Christians miss out on. It's this coming together in corporate prayer. This togetherness that we miss out on a lot of things in our life. I can remember, this has been years ago, and I came together with an unlikely group of people. 
We didn't know a whole lot except we were hungry and we love God and we began seeing it, what happened in the early church and when we got together and we prayed, things began to happen in an unprecedented way as far as I was concerned. I'd never seen it. I'd never known it. But it was together. It wasn't me on my own. Now, do I have power to pray? And is there power produced in my prayer time alone? Yes, but there's much power made available when you are together. But it's not just in prayer, it's uniting. I think I saw it the other day when I was at Chick-fil-A. How spiritual! I was at Chick-fil-A and I saw people together. See, I, you know, I, I just, there's so many times I cry out to God. God, help the body of Redemption Church to understand the power of unity and togetherness. We don't get it though. We haven't gotten it yet. But I'm not letting that loose. One day we will. Some of you do. Others of you, you don't have a clue. You're so caught up in life and so caught up in everything, you don't even understand. I don't say that as a put down, that I know more than you. I'm not saying that that way. I know it in here. Because that's where the body of Christ is now. Not just here, but the body of Christ is here. We're so caught up in cares and worries and the predicaments of life that we lose our focus on what is the main thing. And it's easy to do. I've sure done it. And I have to keep my focus sharpened all the time, and I'm sure you do too, but this togetherness is so important. He called his 12 disciples together. He didn't get them independently, pulled them aside and talked to them. He talked to them together, and he gave them, when he brought them together, I want you to look what happened. They received power and see power. He gave them this power, and what is this power? It's miraculous ability. We live in a time where people will tell you that miracles are through. It doesn't happen anymore. But God still has miracle working power available. And it's the same kind of power that raised Jesus from the dead that was imparted to these disciples. He gave them power or miraculous ability and authority over all devils and to cure diseases and he sent them to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. Now I want I want you to notice three things here. He said you cast out the devil. And then he said cure diseases and heal the sick. And then he said preach the gospel. Okay. I'm telling you tonight one of the truths in scripture that when I began to see that you just didn't have to preach the Word of God, how to be born again every Sunday, week after week. 
I began to see to preach the gospel was to preach the Word of God in all of its fullness. Uh, and, and the gospel really means good news. And he told us in one place in the Amplified, he said, publish the good news. Well, we're the publishers. We're the ones to take it and to publish it. Well, now I had a mistaken thought, and I'm not going to go down this road too much, maybe later. But, but because this is a part of what God gave me a rhema word on, I'll share this with you. But I used to think that preaching the gospel, you had to be in the fivefold ministry and you had to have this something really special on your life that only a few people had. And I thought those were the ones that God had called to preach the gospel. Now, he did call those people to preach in a unique way. There's no doubt about that. And I'm certainly not taking anything away with that because, you know, I know that's what God has called me to do. But at that time, when I was not in the ministry and I began to see this, God began to speak to me and he began to, say, to tell me that every believer is an ambassador for Christ and we are all to preach the gospel. Your message is different than mine, but I'm going to tell you something. We are all preachers of the gospel. Now hear me, I'm not saying you're all the five-fold ministry, but every believer is an ambassador for Christ. What is an ambassador? It's a representative from a foreign country. We're, our foreign country, we're from heaven. That's where our citizenship is. And we're in this world and we're representing heaven and Jesus Christ to this world. It's every one of us. When we are sitting here, we're to preach the gospel. When we go outside those doors and go to work or go shopping or whatever we do, we are to preach the gospel. Does that mean that we get up on the table and, you know, get everybody's attention? Listen, listen, I've got a message from God. No, because if you do that, I'm not going to go there, but no, they'll just call somebody, call 911 or whatever, I don't know, you know. But you preach the gospel through living your life Christ-like. And when you have opportunities that you give a testimony of what God has done for you and how he's moved in your life, and that is preaching the gospel, and you can take your text in your preaching assignment from every Sunday. What you hear, you can go tell other people. What God does for you, the breakthroughs that he gives in your life, you can take it out and give it to other people. That is preaching. And so here we see Jesus called those 12 and he said, I want you to preach. We are preachers. Say, I'm a preacher of the gospel, the good news. And see, we are. We all are. And we all have an audience. And it might not be on a, a, a pulpit, on a platform. But God has given every one of us a platform. Influence. My influence is different than yours. Yours is different than mine. But we all have that platform to preach. And we need to be faithful to do it. And how much do we need to do that now? I mean, so much more than we ever have before. I believe that. And then he said, heal. 
cure diseases, and heal. So he gave a supernatural power to them to when they went out, people could be healed. You see, that's the wonderful thing about God's word today. He didn't stop doing that. He continued it on. And some people, well, I know he called those 12. I know that. He empowered them. I know that. But see, if you're like me, you thought that's where it stopped. But that is not where it stopped. That was only the beginning. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. The same as he was with those disciples is the same as he is today. And will be tomorrow. He didn't change He's a healer, he's a deliverer, and he expects us to take our lives into that flow and become healers and deliverers through the power of Jesus. You, you understand what I'm saying about that because you're not a healer in yourself. You go out and try to heal somebody. You can't do it. But see, if you're in Christ, he confirms his word with signs following it's not up to you to produce healing. You can't do it. It's up to you to act on God's word and allow him to confirm some things with these signs following. He will confirm his word through you as you go, as you preach, as you lay hands on the sick, as you minister healing, as you cast out devils. He will move and to confirm and release the power for that to happen. See, it made me, it just took the, it took the weight off my shoulders. It's not up to me to heal. I can't, I can't heal. And I'll tell you something, you know, in the healing, and I'm not going to go too far down this road either, but, you know, in the healing, you know, sometimes we get stuck, well, so-and-so didn't get healed. I don't understand all that. And I don't know all of that. All I know is what he told me to do. And if I'm obedient to do that, then signs will follow me. I don't know what's going on in another heart. I don't know what's going on in another life. I can only be responsible for me in that way. But I can take the good news, the healing power, and the delivering power, and then God will perform. And he'll confirm. And he'll do the miraculous. Amen. Do you want that? I sure do. So I believed for years that it was only the 12. But then I began to see. As I read the word of God, I saw the book of Acts. And I saw all those people there that were not part of the 12. They weren't part of the 70 that you read about in the gospels. After those 12, the 70 were called. And you know, they went out and they said, Wow! Even devils are subject to us, Jesus, through your name. That was the 70. And then you got the people in the upper room that takes you into the book of Acts. And all those people, they weren't of the 12. And it didn't die out. It continued on. And I can tell you in this year that we're living in right now, it continues on. Whether we see it or whether we experience or whether we believe it or not, it is true. But I choose to believe. I choose to walk in it, to experience it. And it revolutionized my life. I'm not the old dead Christian that I used to be. 
The power of the Holy Spirit came into my life, but it opened up as I gave myself to the Word of God. As long as I listened to what this one said and that one said, you know, they're in a, you know, let's just say, let's just, they're in a denomination. I was in a denomination. My dad was a good preacher. I grew up there, but I heard a lot of other, uh, other things, you know, that other preachers were preaching. And I believed it. Why? Because, well, they're preachers. You know, they're pastors. But you know what they were preaching? Not what they had read, not what they had seen in the Scripture, but what had been passed on generation to generation. It's time to break that generational lies and deceit, traditions of men. Well, they're not evil. Of course they're not evil. I'm not saying they are. But it's still people get caught up in something and they believe wrong. And because they believe wrong, their lives are destroyed. My people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. But you see, I believe certain things. And then, I, I, then you know, when I started looking into the book for myself, it was like, my goodness, it's not what the Bible says. Now, this is what I heard, and this is what I've been believing, but this is not what the Scripture says. And so, see, then what happened to me is I began to see it. I looked in the Scripture, and I saw, well, this is scriptural. Preaching the good news of the gospel, and I'm not in the ministry, but using my platform of influence to tell people what Jesus has done for me, Healing, praying for people, laying my hands upon people, allowing the gifts of the Holy Spirit to move in my life, and sometimes the gifts of healing to move, allowing that to happen. And then when I come in contact with the devil, I don't run in terror, but I cast him out. And see, that's what Jesus said. You cast them out. So we can see that these directives were given to the church, not just to the 12, to them, of course, but way and beyond that. So I want to tell you tonight, Jesus shares his ministry with us. He has entrusted us with so much. Think about that. As a leader, as the head of the church, Jesus said, I'm leaving you here and I'm going to equip you I'm going to empower you. I'm going to give you everything that you need. You are going to be my ambassador. You are going to be uh, my body in the earth. I'm the head. You're the body. And so, take over. And then he leaves. Man, that takes faith. You ever done that in your family before and you tell your kids, okay, I'm going to go so-and-so. I'll be back. I'll be back. And then when you get back, it's a mess and chaos, pillow fights, food all over the place. <laughs> you know what I'm saying as parents? You know what I'm talking about? I tell you. I remember Eddie and I went on a sabbatical once in 35 years. I'm ready to take another one. No, I really am. But it was a lot of years ago, so we went on sabbatical and, you know, we left 
different people with different responsibilities. Oh my gosh, when we got back, somebody wanted to have a demonic party while we were away. We had to deal with it. Think about Jesus. He said, I got faith in you. You might make a mess, but you'll get it right. Thank God. Thank God that he trusts us. Isn't that the truth? So Jesus shares his ministry with us. Now, I just want to, I want to say something that may be shocking to you. The devil cannot stop you from functioning in what I talked about right all through up until this point. The devil cannot stop you. Now, can he delay you? Can he cause you some problems? Can he get in your way? Oh, yes, he can do that. But if you do not quit and you do not give up and you are relentless in your pursuit of the Lord and the way he says that it will be and you push forward on that, he cannot stop you. He cannot. Now, he roars like a lion. I don't know if you ever watched any, you know, National Geographic or, you know, History Channel or all these things, you know, and you see they'll have lions on there. I mean, they're ferocious. They're dangerous. They're loud. But you know what? If that lion has all of his teeth pulled out, he's not going to hurt you like he could. Isn't that the truth? And see, that's what, that's what Jesus did. Jesus brought the devil to naught. That's what the Bible says. He, he reduced him to zero. Now, does that mean that we're foolish and, you know, well, come on, devil. I'll take you on. No, that's stupidity. But when it comes time to take your place and cast him out, you can do it. Amen? All right. So the devil can't stop us in the function in the kingdom when it comes to this power and authority that God has given us. But if we function, now listen to this, if we function in the world system or earthly wisdom, this is Satan's domain. The world system is, belongs to Satan. And if we get in that realm and that's where we try to function... He'll dominate us. But see, as long as we get into the kingdom and kingdom principles and live in our life according to the scriptures and how he's laid out for us, the devil can't stop you. He cannot stop you. How many times he's tried to stop us in this church? How many times the attacks have been on? And if you, it's not just me. If you talk to any preacher, whether they have a church or they have a worldwide ministry or whatever, they're there. The attacks are there. But he can't dominate because we're working on another and in another system. And I want you to work in another system. God's kingdom. Amen. So as we talking talking about casting out the devil, there's strongholds and there's demon forces. Strongholds and demon forces that get in your family. They get in the government. They'll get those strongholds and demon forces, they set up you know, a fort, if you will. They, they have a fortified place in certain areas. 
You, you go from state to state. I, I practice this when we travel and when, when we are driving and, and we cross a line, devils observe those lines. Now, I'm not going to say there's not some coming back and forth, but you distinctly can sense in your spirit the different domains that are out there and the different levels that are out there. And there's some demons that are in certain areas. And I'm not kidding you. I wouldn't live in certain places because of the devils that are there. And I've known people, you know, good, you know, godly people. They, they don't feel the same way about that. I mean, they'll live right in the middle of it. But, you know, I don't want to be like righteous Lot whose soul was vexed every day. You know, there's enough of that just, you know, living in Knoxville. I can't imagine in some of these other places, of course, you know, what's going on in our city now. It's not so good. We've released some things. In the voting booth. It's a truth. So these strongholds and demonic forces, they can get in our families. I, you know, this, this has come up to me two times. Dr. Summerall, I remember him sharing, and this has been years ago, and it, it was to a group of us. I don't think it was in a preaching time. He could have shared it there, but this was when a group of us were with him. And, and he began to share about this place, this home, and someone in this family committed suicide. And he said, you know, after that person committed suicide in that home, there were other people in that same family line. Now, they didn't have that going on in their life before that time. But I'm talking about strongholds and demonic forces. And then so what happened, another family, you know, on down the road, some time had passed. You know, nobody really thinks that much about it. I mean, of course, you know, it's a sad thing that the family member committed suicide. But then here's a little time passes and someone else in that family that moved in to that house, they committed suicide. So see... Demons and those strongholds, they'll take up residence. And they'll take up residence in, in like that house with that family. Or they'll take up residence in your family line. If it's not that, it could be like abuse. You know, incest. Things like that that go on in families and nobody talks about. Maybe not a lot of people know. But see, it can be passed on from one generation to the other because those demons get in there into a family. They're entertained. The door is opened and they come in and then they start their work. And many times their work is cloaked. So, you know, it's just not so easy to detect that. It's just not so easy to detect it. I tell you, there's been one way around here in this church that over the years that we know when the devil gets his foothold into the finances of this church, buddy, we start turning over everything. 
Okay, where are you, devil? You're not hiding from us. And see, it would do us well to do that in our homes too. And I tell you what, you let God begin to show you where he's hiding and you pull that up and you deal with it and then his power is broken. And see, now I'm going to tell you something. I believe that you can bind the devil by saying, I bind you, devil, in the name of Jesus. But do I believe that that's all there is to it? And do I believe that a Christian screaming at the devil to come out, that that's necessarily how it's going to happen? No, I don't. And if you read the Bible over in the book of, I think it's Mark 4, and you see over there when Jesus was being tempted by the devil, do you remember that? And every time that he came to Jesus with a specific temptation, Jesus bound the devil. But how did he do it? It was, you know, it it was very unconventional, wasn't it? He said, devil, it is written. Thou shall not tempt the Lord thy God. See, he was tempting. Well, just fall for this. Because see, he... The devil doesn't come at God's people most of the time in just very blatant, in-your-face ways. He hides and comes around, you know, and, and gets in. So he began to speak. Jesus said, it is written. It is written. So if you're going to bind the devil, of course, you bind him in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. You use that name. The Bible tells us to do that in Scripture. You can bind the devil through the name of Jesus. And that's what I think it's Luke 10. Devils have to obey those 70 said when we use the name of Jesus. So, of course. But another way, see, that's not the only way you bind the devil. You bind the devil by speaking the word of God. I I want you to think about this next time. You know, that you know that the devil has got an inroad into your life, into your finances, into a situation and circumstances. I want you to see when you speak God's word over that situation, it's like when those words go out of your mouth, you know, it, 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 it's like a fl- it's flying and it's got a lot of ropes and strength and it just grabs the enemy and holds him like in a net. Just grabs him and holds him. Paralyzes his power against you. And then he'll just go on down the road and try with somebody else. But you need to arrest him. You arrest him by binding his power through the name of Jesus and by speaking God's word. It is written over your situation. Now, you know what that's going to require? That's going to require that you know the Bible that you know some scripture as it relates to that certain situation that's going on in your life. If you're like me, sometimes you can just flat get lazy spiritually, Michael. You know what I'm talking about? And, and you know, there'll just be times and, you know, I'll just bind you, devil, in the name of Jesus. That's got, you know, because there's no power behind it. It's just mouthing words that I've done before. But I tell you, when you get the fresh rhema word of God and what God said about your situation, 
situation and what the enemy is doing as far as the strongholds and the demon powers that are active in your life and you begin to see that word and you begin to uh, to understand the principles and the power of God that is behind it to make it come to pass. He confirms his word with signs following. You speak it and God will make it happen. And you sit back and let it happen. I'm just so tired and I'm so weary. Boy, I've been there. I know it. But I tell you, you got to muster something up from the inside of you. You got to pick yourself up and you got to begin to do the spiritual battle. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty through God to pull down the strongholds. We wrestle not against this world and the world's way. We wrestle against principalities and powers. And the wrestling match is not a physical wrestling match. The wrestling match is to hold on to our faith and keep the Word of God in our hearts. That's where the wrestling match is because He's trying to yank it out and pull you away and push you away. Some of you know what I'm talking about. Amen. Now, here's a scripture that I want to share with you that is very powerful. Acts 10, 38. Again, this is a rhema word that God brought into my life that revolutionized how I thought about God and His word. Acts 10, 38. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost. That's talking about the indwelling presence of God. And power, or this miraculous ability, who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. Okay, there's two things I want you to see that stood out to me years ago and that set the course to how I ministered to people and how I received God's provision in my own life. It says how God anointed Jesus with the Holy Ghost and with power, and he went about doing... What's that next word? Okay, that was a revelation to me because I didn't know. I thought sometimes God did good things in my life, and then other times there were bad things that God did in my life, and that was just his will, and he was trying to teach me something. But then I saw myself... Not through what somebody else had told me. Not all these teachings that had happened over a period of years that led me to believe that sometimes God gets angry at me and He mistreats me. And He doesn't like me sometimes. See, that was not the truth at all. God anointed Jesus to go about doing good. And the good was he was healing people. He was casting out the devil that oppressed people. And he was doing good things for people. And see, we've got to see God in the right light. That is so important. And on the other hand of that, what does it say? It says, healing all those, this is what Jesus was doing, who were oppressed by who? Say it out. The oppression came upon people through the power of the devil who God was 
sending Jesus to do good for those people that had been done wrong, wrongly. Now, if you look up this word uh, oppress, listen to this. This word oppress means a sense of being weighed down, body or mind. It means to exercise dominion as a ruler or potentate. See, the devil is ruling over God's people because they're in a system that's this world system, not in, you know, in the heavenly system. And the devil is the ruler and the potentate, the grand potentate. Sounds like the Shriners or whatever that is. Now, I don't mean that wrong because Shriners do good work. So, Okay. So we can see here, God does good and the devil oppresses and does bad. Okay, see, that was, that was just such a revelation for me. So that means God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit are good and therefore they do good works for us things that bless our lives. The devil oppresses us. He is evil. And he will abuse you. He will beat you down. He'll dishearten you. He'll distress you, overpower you, rule, subjugate you, trouble you, tyrannize you, and harass you. That's what the devil does. And see, we don't need to get that confused. We need to understand God is good. He does good works for us, for his children. For anyone that comes to him. And the devil is bad. John 10.10 in the Amplified says, The thief, Satan, comes only, listen, in order to steal, kill, and to destroy. You ever had stealing, killing, and destroying? Okay. He said the thief or Satan, that's why he comes. So you know where it came from. And Jesus said, I came that they may have and enjoy life. It's okay to have a good life and enjoy good life. You know, all of us, you know, there are afflictions and there's difficulties and things that happen. But in times where things are good, it's okay to enjoy life, smile a little bit. Christians ought to smile instead of frowning so much. And Jesus came that they may have and enjoy life, and listen to this, and have it in abundance to the full until it overflows. Overflowing life, abundant life, that's what God gives. And so those two categories, the category of doing good and the category of doing evil. And when you understand that, you understand who's doing what to who, and you understand that you've got an enemy. Some people today, oh, no, there's no devil. There's no devil. That's just, you know, that's that old stuff. You know, every religion's got a devil. Well, I'm, I'm going to tell you, the devil's real. And if you ignore him, do you think that's going to make him go away? No. What you have to do is put your faith in God, operate the principles of God, and bind him in your life. Amen. I remember years ago, a young man, and this was when I was just getting these kinds of revelations in my life, and he was brought to us in our little youth group that we had, and 
in the Baptist church and we were just studying the Bible and learning and praying like crazy and, you know, growing in the Lord. And, and the preacher uh, came to us and he said, you know, uh, th this lady has got a son and he's been sniffing paint and he's just, his life is a mess and she, she needs help. And can, if we bring him over here, can you get everybody together and let's, let's pray over this young man and believe God to do something for him. And I remember, you know, beginning to understand how Satan comes to steal, to kill. He wanted to kill this young man and destroy his life in the meantime until he could take him out of here and then take him to hell. I began to understand that, and, and I had just set, such a heart of compassion, but I'll just be really honest with you. That night when he was brought into there, the pastor was on one side and his mother was on the other side. He was, his hair was all matted with paint and his clothes were, had paint all over him. I mean, he did look like the madman of Gadara to me anyway. And it's like I was taken aback, you know, when I saw that. I thought, my goodness, I thought you were going to bring a young man in here and then, oh my gosh. You know, and so, but you know what? We just said, Jesus sets free. Jesus sets free. We've never done this before. This is the first time this has ever happened. At least in mine and Eddie's life. <laughs> We'd never seen anything like this before. And so we just began to minister. And you know how we ministered? We began to plead the blood of Jesus. Why? Because the blood is what neutralizes the power of of the devil. We began to plead the blood and we began to use the name of Jesus. We began to quote scriptures. We began to sing anything, you know, oh, the blood of Jesus, just, uh, you know, to do anything that we could to try to help this young man based on scriptures, based on what we knew from the word of God, not, you know, our own formula that we had come up with that had no power. But when we started singing about the blood, there was power that was released into the life of that young man. And I can remember it, Eddie and I and this pastor, we were in, you know, a little Sunday school classroom and we closed the door because the kids were out there and Lord knows what they were thinking. I don't know. I don't know what I was thinking. But we closed that door and we began to sing. Oh, the blood of Jesus. Oh, the blood of Jesus. I mean to tell you, he was down in the floor writhing like a snake and he raised up his head and he said, can't you sing? Will the circle be unbroken? Yeah, we can sing that. There's no power in it. Another trick of the devil, I guess, you know. Well, would you sing happy birthday or whatever? I don't know, you know. But no, we didn't. We kept talking about the blood. We kept using the name of Jesus. We kept singing about the power. And I mean to tell you, the young man walked out of there. He walked out of there in his right mind that night. And I'm going to tell you, you can bind the devil. And you remember what I said about together? Sometimes there's things that way. I remember some of you ushers, I don't know, you, some of you ushers remember this because you were helping me this night. Somebody brought a young lady uh, to me 
who uh, was just depressed, oppressed, and the devil just had her in his grip. And they asked me, would you minister to her? Well, I mean, what are you going to say? Of course, yeah, I'll minister to her. I began to talk to her. You know, it was like she was a zombie. You know, and I, I began to pray, and I just began to seek God, you know, what we needed to do, and all of that. And then, you know, we began to do what I knew to do, and that is use the name of Jesus, quote the Word of God over this young girl. And all of a sudden, I get this Word in my spirit. See, God equips us with supernatural power. I got a word in my spirit about what was going on in that girl's life. Oh my gosh, she jumped up like a... I'm not kidding you. She could have killed me in herself if God wasn't there to protect me. And the ushers, any of the ushers, are you in here tonight that helped me with that? Yeah, okay. <laughs> I'm telling you, they had to hold her off of me that night because I spoke that word and she entertained that devil and she wanted that devil. She didn't want to be free from that devil. You know what she did? She broke loose from the ushers and ran outside and it was pouring down rain that night. You remember that, John? It was pouring down and she took off. She, you know, some, some people like to pet those devils. They don't want to get rid of those devils. Now, the woman who brought her to me wanted her to be set free, and she probably didn't even know what was going on in her life. You see, Jesus will set you free if you want to be free. You can't make anybody be free. You can't do it yourself. Jesus is a gentleman. He won't force his cell phone anybody. People like devils, they can keep them. But I tell you, there'll come a time where they can, the stealing, the killing, and the destroying, you know, either they'll get to the point where their eyes get opened or he'll destroy their life completely and totally and then take them to hell. You know, but see, God gives the church the ambassadors of Christ, the believers, who you are, who I am, he gives us power to cast out the enemy. Now, Mark 16 talks about there, you know, believers. It didn't say the 12 or the 70 or the people in the upper room. It said believers in Mark 16 will lay hands on the sick, they'll preach the gospel, and they'll cast out the devil. And that word cast out means to deal with the devil. Now, I say it when I've taught many times. You don't go looking for the devil. That's people that are unwise. But when you come across the devil and you see him in your own life, in your own situation, and in the lives of people that you love and you care about, then begin to use this miraculous supernatural power that God gives us to deal with the devil, to cast him out, not pet him, not embrace him, not ignore him, because if you ignore him, that doesn't mean that he's going away. You have to deal with him. And so the Bible says, when you find him, cast him out. And again, you cast him out by using the name of Jesus. If you can't do anything else, just in the name of Jesus, 
I plead the blood of Jesus. And then begin to learn scriptures and come against the enemy in the way that Jesus did when he was in the wilderness. And, and the devil tempted him, spirit, soul, and body. Just temptation, temptation, temptation. And Jesus spoke, it is written, devil. you got to answer the devil back. That's, the, that's to, you know, many times our problem. We let the devil just whisper, speak deceptive things, you know, just twisted and warped things, and we don't answer back. It is written, devil. Bind him. It is written. And just like I said, just like, just like a, a net of defense just goes out to encapsulate him and isolate him out of your life and out of your situation. And that's available to us as believers. Amen? Matthew 16, 19, last scripture. And I will give unto you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you shall bind on the earth shall be bound in heaven. And whatever you shall loose on the earth shall be loosed in heaven. In other words, heaven stands behind what the ambassadors do, what the believers do. If you bind it, God said, I'll stand behind it and it'll be bound. You loose it, he said, I'll stand behind it and it'll be loosed. Now this word loose means to permit. Whatever you permit is permitted. See, in our nation right now, God's people are permit permitting too many things. So he said, whatever you bind on the earth. And this word bind means whatever you restrict, whatever you lock up, whatever you disallow, whatever you tie up, whatever you confine, whatever you put a yoke on, I'll stand behind it. So see, God's people have a power and an ability to cast out the devil when we find him to deal with him and not allow him to go on. There's been things in my own personal life that would begin to happen, and then all of a sudden, it would dawn on me. A light came on. You need to take authority. You need to bind this up in your household with your stuff. Things wear out, things tear up. But when you see a lot of that, you know, and it's thing after thing, time after time, cast it out, bind it up, disallow it, and loose some good things into your life. Amen. Thanks for listening to this message from Pastor Nora King. If you'd like to contact us, you can visit us online at redemptionchurch.com. We'll see you back here next week for another powerful message from Pastor Nora. Pastor Nora.